Welcome to Double Fries No Slot. It is Wednesday afternoon, and we are doing a preview episode a day early thanks to the holiday. TJ Pinger, Richie Barnes, and Nick De La Torre. Nick, Richie, how are you gentlemen doing today? Man, I am doing great. This is my favorite week of the year, TJ. It's a short really? work week. You, you get to get together with family and enjoy a feast. Nobody's going to judge you if you get a little too drunk, and you get football all weekend, and mm. we get some Florida State basketball tonight, so I, I cannot complain about anything. How about you, Nick? Uh, Egg Bowl. Uh, yeah. Egg Bowl. I think Florida <laughs> fans heard Lane Kiffin, who was like, uh, you don't need to get that serious about a rivalry game, and Florida fans were like, and for that reason, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need that kind of attitude right? here. <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, well, I wanted Lane, never mind. Um but yeah, Thursday, you know, it's it's almost encouraged to drink a little too much, eat a little yeah. too much, and and watch football all day. That's a great holiday. That's the the most American holiday possible. <laughs> Nick, uh, Richie, I've I've asked some different people this. I've kind of talked about it. What is your what's your number one Thanksgiving side, mm-hmm. and your number one Thanksgiving dessert? Go ahead, Nick. Dessert. Dessert yeah. is a Dutch apple pie with with uh, vanilla ice cream. Mm. Uh, warm apple pie with the ice cream on top. Uh, side, it depends. We talked about this on Stadium and Gale. I didn't know what the difference between stuffing and dressing was, and I think it's just that dressing inside of a turkey is stuffing, uh, but don't like it either way. Um, I like either either mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top, or mac and cheese. Uh, I, probably one A, one B there. Yeah, those are good, and, and I don't, I, I don't have a sweet tooth, so I don't really care about desserts, and mm-hmm. that might be blasphemy on here. I don't know, but my mom, she loves the Hershey's like chocolate turtle pie from Publix mm. that you pick up, the frozen one. So, so that'd probably be it. Mm. And for a side, my wife makes some phenomenal like. I like how you cooking. go with something out of the frozen section, not even like a homemade. <laughs> For a side, Stuffers makes a really good mac and cheese. (laughs) Those Oreo potatoes that you mix water with. But but for a side, my wife makes some phenomenal slow cookers, uh, carrots with uh, honey and sriracha in there. And Mm. they are just Mm. like, there's no crunch at all to the point where where it tastes. And you think of carrots, you want a good crunch, right? But not this one. She makes it so perfectly. It tastes so good. Compliments the turkey. I I, I love Mm. it. That's hilarious. Uh, I'm probably going, uh, not her, the carrots. The carrots do sound really good. The, the dessert <laughs> was hilarious. Uh, dessert, I'm probably going with like a pecan pie. My wife does make an excellent Dutch owl pie, though, every year that she just mentioned. She's going to make a bourbon chocolate pecan pie this year because I said I wanted to try that. And so fingers crossed that that comes out good. Uh, but pecan pie for dessert and then um, – Side is probably, I mean, I'm a big mashed potato fan, but it's probably between like broccoli casserole or uh, sweet potato casserole, which is, I do have a sweet tooth. So that's so, so like real, real quick. What, what's y'all's thoughts on green bean casserole? Cause I, I saw a lot of slander on green bean, green bean casserole on the timeline today. And I don't get it. I don't know. I grew up in a Puerto Rican household and that's kind of mm-hmm. a staple of my mom's yeah. dish, but at the same, I was shocked. Like people are like, Oh, that's trash. I'm like, no man, that's really good. Growing up in a Cuban house. So we always had it. Um, I'll, I didn't like it when I was a kid. I'm fine. I'll eat it now, but like I'm not going to be angry if I if I go to you know a family's house and, and oh wait, there's no there's no green bean casserole. Yeah. That's it. Let's <laughs> grab everything. We're out of here. Yeah, my wife loves it. I'm I can I can take it or leave it. I, yeah. It does need to be made with fresh. Um, it's all it's got to like, be fresh ingredients. Yeah, can't you can't, can't do the canned yeah. stuff. No, no. Um, no. 
Double fries, no slaw. Brought to you by Guthrie's in You can never do coleslaw, right? <laughs> yeah, leave the coleslaw off. Hey, we hey wanted to take a quick second to announce that for this episode, for this preview episode, this FSU UF preview, we have a special, special sponsor. We have Salamone Digital Marketing, which you can see there. Um, info down there uh, in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. Um, they are a digital marketing company specializing in SEO, um, PPC, content writing, social media management, business development. Um, they're going to jump into the NIL space here short, shortly, have some NIL deals in the works, some different things going on. Um, they wanted to get their info and name out there because um, they knew this would be a huge episode. They knew that uh, there'd be a lot of interest in FSU UF talk. With the week that we're in, uh, Thanksgiving week, rivalry week, one of our favorite weeks of the year as Knowles. Uh, TJ Salomone is a former FSU alum, uh, or is an FSU alum, former grad, current booster, big-time supporter, big-time FSU fan. Appreciate his support um, and appreciate him sponsoring this episode. Uh, if you guys have a website, if you have a business that needs uh, some help, whether that be from any kind of aspect of digital marketing Reach out to them today. You can go to SalamoneDigitalMarketing.com. Their social medias are very easy to find. Search Salamone, S-A-L-O-M-O-N-E. You can see it again down there on the bottom corner of the screen. Um, you can visit their Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Search Salamone, and you should be able to find that fairly easily. TJ is their CEO and owner. That's not me, but TJ Salamone is their owner slash CEO. Good guy, good buddy of mine. Um, check them out today. If you don't have a business or a website that needs optimization or you don't need any consulting or anything like that, just give them a follow on social media. Let's Knowles help Knowles at the end of the day and let's get, uh, let's grow their accounts. Let's get them kind of going. Um, if you do have a business or a website and you're interested in their services, he will do a free consultation. If you mention this ad on double fries, no slaw, say double fries, no slaw, and you get a free consultation. And if you end up signing up for their services, you will get 10% off your first month. They will honor that anytime between now and the next six months after this podcast airs. So six months from here in the end of uh, November, that sounds like it would go through around the end of May. So if you have a business, I would certainly love to uh, have you reach out to them. But uh, Salamone Digital Marketing, my buddy TJ over there, check them out. Um, whether it be on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, their website for any of your SEO, optimization, content, strategy, whatever needs for your business today. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you uh, for sponsoring us and go Knowles. Nick, you were telling me before we got started that you've not had Guthrie's. Where is the, what is the Guthrie's, not necessarily chicken tenders, but what is the Guthrie's of Gainesville? Like, where is like the style? Like, if you're, if somebody's coming to town, and you're going to send them to eat, not that steakhouse that you're posting all the time with your Gators territory. Uh, no, the 2 a.m. spot. Yeah, the 2 yeah where's, the, where's the spot for us regulars to, to be able to go, man, after after um, hitting the strip all night? The 2 a.m. spot is uh, it's called Italian Gator, but nobody would know it as that. It's because uh, the, their sign just says pizza by the slice, and that's what everyone calls it. Um, I didn't know. I think I, I must have been like 19, 20 years old, freshman year. Um, excuse me. I was 21 uh, after a night at the bar, of course. Um, and you just see a line and pizza by the slice. And I woke up the next morning. I checked like my debit card. And I'm like, what is Italian Gator? What is this fraud that is going on for $4? <laughs> 
uh, on my credit card. Um, and someone told me like, that's the pizza we had. And I'm like, no, that place was called pizza by the slice. So that's where it's right in uh, midtown, right across from the stadium. That's uh, the drunk spot probably there or relish, uh, which is a Ooh, burger place. Big relish. Relish. Yeah, yeah. Relish is a great, great burger when you're in town. Um, they have a couple so that, locations now. Real that quick. might be my, that might be my stop on the way home. It's not really <laughs> quick, but that still might be my stop on the way home. So re- real quick, I, like my favorite food I've ever had in Gainesville late night. So a lot of my real good friends from high school went to UF. So like I spent a lot of weekends in Gainesville. We were at the Jimmy John's across from campus one night, like right there. We'd been at Salty Dog and Balls all night. And uh, we, some guy walks in handing out pizza slices from a, I forget the name of the pizza place, but I, he hands me us a slice of pizza. And my buddy Cody, shout out to him. He's like, you know who that is, right? I'm like, who's that? It's like, oh, that's Ryan Lochte. And he was wasted <laughs> just walking through, handing out uh, pizza to anybody who would take a slice. Uh, and I thought it was the coolest thing, especially looking back now to what all he's accomplished. Yeah. Know, an Olympic you know, gold medal winner. That was pretty cool. But man, I've had a lot of good nights in Gainesville. It's, you know, I, I, I do not like the Univer- University of Florida, but I will not hate on the Gainesville nightlife. It, uh, that must have been either – that was either Pizza by the Slice – which is right there next I to. I think that's what it was. I next think to that's salty what it was, yeah. and balls or Paisanos, which would have been uh, that would have been a little far of a walk for. Well, I think it's pizza Ryan by the Lachty. slice for sure. Yeah, yeah, pizza that's that's slice. Italian Gator or pizza by yeah. the slice. So that's uh, it's right there. Listen, great marketing. You're you're yeah. a pizza place that stays open late, fifteen steps away from you know all the the yeah. bars that the college kids go to. I, yeah, I'm going with relish because it's a little bit farther away from the stadium. And I feel like I can <laughs> actually get out of town. Um, speaking of the game, I guess we'll talk about that just a little bit. Um, Florida comes into this game as a two and a half point favorite. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all of the turmoil, maybe is a good word, but kind of all the craziness going around with UF. But kind of going backwards, Nick, I don't know if you have one, don't have one, but do you have a do you have like a favorite UFFSU memory, um, whether that's a game from way back, uh, a neat experience at a game you were at? Richie, you you included this question, so I'll let you – I'm sure you have one off the top of your head. We can let yeah. Nick think for a minute. But Richie, go first, and then Nick, and then I'll clean us up. But just a favorite memory from this rivalry. Yeah, so, so as far as attending games, it, it's – there's no question at all, in my opinion, it was that uh, 2010 uh, game in Tallahassee, right? It was Urban's last year. Florida was on, I think it was a six-year win streak at the time. And I felt good going into the game, but I remember UF driving on the field, going up 7-0. And then Florida State just turned it on. I think it was 31-7 at the end. Uh, I forget the final score, but it, you you posted the gift tj on our podcast twitter account today of christian ponder doing the chomp as you ran back into the locker room uh during halftime when you know rodney smith hits that huge touchdown going down the sideline i was sitting right there just the weight of our shoulders like a, a losing streak like that and especially for me who's been a florida state fan my whole life but also was a student the same four years that tim tebow was a student at uf it was rough for me <laughs> not, like, not great especially time. when i had really good friends at who were students at UF uh, the same year that got to see basketball, football, national titles, just racking them up. Uh, So that was special to me, just being there to end the streak. I was living in Charleston at the time. I'm like, I'm not missing this for anything. But for me, the the top memory will always be uh, Charlie Ward to work done, right? Nobody's ever going to forget that. 93, 
uh the the swamp was extremely I'm not loud. quite as old as I'm not quite as old as you so I don't yeah. remember that well, well I don't remember that either <laughs> I just I've just watched the game several times I don't remember it watching it live I was five years old I was born in 88 but at the same time Ooh, looking old. back work done is probably my favorite football player ever when you combine college and pro and what he does off the field like I strive to be as good of a human as he is one day but yeah that 93 board to done just knowing that helped get Florida state to Bobby Bowden's first national title. Yeah. So, so favorite memory overall is war to done. And f- luckily I've been, you know, lucky enough to meet both of those people and favorite attended game, definitely 2010, because I was with one of my best friends who was a UF grad who, who celebrated a lot of success while he was in college and to be able to look at him and be like, Hey, how about that? That, that was pretty nice. Nick, do you have a favorite memory, whether it's when you attended or not? Yeah. So, I'll be I'll be 33 tomorrow, and I think like my first happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I think my right. like my first like real memory of uh, both my parents went to Florida. My first real memory of of like the Gators was probably the '96 national championship. Um, like I I remember like Cut my off. parents. Mute, mute, TJ, mute him. Mute him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the year before, Florida got crushed by Nebraska in the national championship, and I like re- I just remember like my memory is just like my dad being very angry. I didn't know why or you know the significance of the game at that time. I didn't, like in that it being a national championship had no bearing on my life at that moment. But then the next year, um, growing up in South Florida, there's so many. Florida, Miami, Florida State fans. We had uh, my dad had people over. Florida, Florida State fans uh, going back and forth. So that was like my first real memory um, of the rivalry. And then two in person. One was in Gainesville. Um, I was at Tebow and Spike Senior Day in the swamp. Um, that was cool to see. And then one was Dante Fowler's junior year. I'm down on. I think it was junior year. We're down on the field um as as a reporter and fsu the student section is just letting him have it and at some point he was just like i'm leaving after this year i'm just gonna i don't care if the coaches get mad at me i'm gonna let them have it back and then dante fowler just like turns and like stops warming up stops everything and just jawing with students and i'm like epic i i I get it i was like but you obviously you don't want to make him mad like getting him at like getting punched by him and, and and getting him like thrown out of the game is probably not worth it. You'd rather just like not break your jaw and have him play in the game. So I was at Tebow senior day. Um, I'll just say electric atmosphere. I I remember towards the the third or fourth quarter, you were there. I'm sure you remember it. Everyone taking pictures. That's before like cell phones were big things. Like a lot of people had disposable cameras or or digital cameras and you could just see the flashes from the cameras going off like crazy. And I was just almost almost like nonstop because you you knew like, hey, he's going to come out at some point and you're trying to get is this the last play? And it was just like a constant like a Kodak commercial almost. In between trying not to have a seizure, I was like, man, I'm (laughs) glad this guy's gone. Like this is it. Like this sucks that I'm sitting here right now with one of my best friends watching his team just drag us. But this guy's gone, so that's good. (laughs) Richie's taking a picture. This is last play. Thank God. There it is. That's the last one. Get out of here. Um, I mean, the 2013 game was a lot of fun. Um, I was on the field. What was that? 27? Was that 27 2? Was that 14? No, that was 15. 15. That was 47. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was at, I don't know, the the 27 2 one was kind of, it took a while for that one to get going. Um, I was on the field in 2016 
um, for that game. Somebody gave me a field pass and I was there for the entire, like I watched the entire game from the field. Um, it even had like a probably get canceled for like FSU's SID. will probably say like, where'd you get that? But anyway, it was like five years ago. So three coaches ago, I'm sure I'm fine. But uh, I was on the field. It was even a bench pass. So like I legitimately have pictures like right next to Demarcus Walker and stuff. So it, that was really cool. Like just kind of a neat experience. Um, you know, the favorite memory is probably the Ricks to Sam. Like I remember, you know, cause you're, you're 13 and nothing else in life really matters, you know, except for college football. And so that was really, really cool um, as a kid to get to enjoy that moment, you know, and everybody kind of like Gator fans remember where they were for the heave to cleave and everything else that's kind of happened over the last, you know, few years, that's dramatic ending and stuff like that. So Ricks to Sam was definitely neat as a, as a youngster. Uh, that rain, that rain game in Tallahassee with Tebow when he looked like, uh, oh yeah, bloody like and... Mel Gibson and Braveheart because <laughs> yeah, of how much it was raining and all the paint. Um, that's memorable. Probably that, there's probably just it's probably just a Tebow thing. That that is the worst memory of my rivalry because I had like six friends who were all either at UF or Santa Fe staying at my house that weekend, and uh, literally midway through the fourth quarter, I'm like. Our hot water heater is not the best. I'm going to run home and get a first shower because when everyone else gets back, like, I know we're not winning this ball game. So I, I'm going to run home and get my shower real quick. This, so, this was definitely growing up, growing up a Florida fan. This was definitely my, my favorite rivalry. And I kind of ask, I like asking players that because um, when I was growing up, it was Spurrier and Fulmer. So Florida, Tennessee was really competitive. Um, but Florida dominated Georgia, you know, in, in my lifetime. Um, and I didn't even really consider that a rivalry, but um, it's probably how many friends I had growing up that were Florida state fans. And like you said, TJ, when you're 13, you're not worrying about a mortgage or, or anything else. You're like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta turn your homework in and watch college football. That's it. That's those are your responsibilities. So, right. Uh, I think growing up, that's probably why this was my favorite rivalry. And I always looked forward to it. It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's right around my birthday. Um, and then it's, it's bragging rights with, you know, my friends that I grew up with, uh, for, for three sixty five. Yeah. For the rest of the year. Um, looking at this game, Florida comes in as a two and a half point favorite. The line opened up at two jumped on to one has jumped back up to like two and a half right now. It seems to have settled, but we'll see with some of the news that continues to come out where things end up on Saturday morning. I can't imagine that it gets too much further from, from that. Like, I don't think it crosses any definitive lines like it won't go above three it, it won't flip to fsu being a favor or anything like that but uh florida comes in kind of sputtering without a coach um first of all thoughts on um thoughts on where florida's at just with no coaching staff there's no play callers from the start of the season that will be there on saturday uh what are your thoughts on just you know, we, we don't have all night, but what are your thoughts on everything going on at Florida right now with uh, Thir- the transition Thir- time? <laughs> Thir- 13 months ago, Florida was a top five team with a Heisman candidate, a John Mackey award winner and Kadarius Tony. And, and now uh, what you just said is, is the reality. So it's been a uh, spectacular collapse by Dan Mullen um, and the team uh, had, had to do a lot, had to do a lot of things wrong to get to this point. Um, it's interesting. So, I watched Florida completely not care about being in Gainesville or at the swamp for a half against Sanford before, um, you know, figuring it out. Um, I watched 
then figure that out. Then I watched him go to Missouri, and the defense played great after letting an FCS team score 42 on you. Um, defense played really well against Missouri, and the offense doesn't show up. Um, I think a lot of people have asked me all year, did Dan Mullen lose the locker room? I don't think he ever did. Um, a lot of players were angry um, when it was announced that he wasn't going to coach. I mean, uh, some of the older guys get it, like Zach Carter, who's in his fourth year, Malik Davis, who's in his fifth year. They understand, hey, it's a business. You've got some freshmen and sophomores who, you know, understandably are, are, are not happy about it. The guy that, you know, they came to play for is now not going to be here the rest of their career. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think the defense really likes Christian Robinson. He's a young, um, energetic coach. Um, and I, But I think most of, from for the most part, I'm banking on Florida playing for the seniors. Um, it's been a class, I mean – a class has had to go through a lot. I, I don't know if that's enough. And and honestly, if Florida makes a couple of mistakes and Florida State gets up early, I, I don't. I can't confidently tell you that it's a team that won't just fold and say, "Listen, this year, this year has sucked. Let's just pack it in. It's almost over." Yeah, so, so, it definitely feels like. Um, go ahead, Richie. And no, I was going to. You got to send those texts earlier. <laughs> so, so that was my question because it. it even last week in, in the loss to Missouri, you know, I, I caught some of the game. It's not like the Gators quit, right? They, they just got beat, unfortunately, for, for UF fans and unfortunately for Florida State fans who wanted Dan Mullen to have another year. But it, it's a situation where the, these guys are still playing hard and it's still Florida, Florida State, right? Like <laughs> if they even if they've checked out on Florida, they're going to play hard because they know these players on Florida State. These guys grew up together. They played against each other in high school. It's a real situation but that what i wanted to ask was kind of what you just mentioned i do think florida state has shown some resiliency this year which we didn't expect after an 0-4 start um so where florida goes up you know 10-0 like north carolina did on us i won't panic too much but say florida state goes up you know 21-3 or something like last week against boston college before the refs decided to you know put their input into the game does florida respond to that or it doesn't need to be close all the way because I, I could see this. I'm not predicting it. I could see if Florida State jumps up early it, it, and takes a, a big enough lead, Florida just kind of collapses at that point. I, I, I think it'll be interesting. So um, Florida Florida's running game is really good, and and people are, are very angry about how they use their running backs. They've got two five-stars uh, on the bench that don't play at all. Um you get down to the goal line and you've got a 220 pound running back in, in Damian Pierce, who doesn't apparently isn't on your, isn't in your goal line package. And you use a 190 pound Malik Davis instead. Um, and Dan Mullen keeps saying, has been saying, I think he goes, Greg Knox handles the, the interim coach and running backs coach handles that rotation. Um, and from what I'm hearing is you're going to Damian Pierce, who leads the team in or leads the running backs in rushing, um, despite having the third most carries, um, will probably get his most usage and you're going to see Gator fans cursing Dan Mullen on Saturday, I think, and saying, no, you're the one that was making this running back rotation. So I think Florida needs to lead lean on the running game. Um, it'll be interesting though, because Greg Knox, who's the interim head coach and running backs coach could have said, Hey, I'm calling plays. Um, but they're going with Garrick McGee. Who's in his first year. He's the quarterback's coach. Um, and it'll be interesting. Anthony, um, Anthony Richardson, I've been told is healthy. Uh, Emory Jones got banged up Monday night. He didn't practice Tuesday, but was able to, uh, is going to be able to return to practice Wednesday. So, uh, that's something to watch too for Florida. Who's going to play quarterback. Um, 
And how much does an interim coach actually change? This is your one opportunity. Greg Knox has been a, a coach for 30 years, I think, 27 straight years in the SEC. And this will only be the second time he's ever had to uh, or had the opportunity to um, call plays and, and run and run a team. Um, do you think that uh, – yeah, and, and I've, I've got a point on Richie's too – Florida State has done this the last two weeks where they've gotten big leads on people. And, and it seems like no lead is safe. Now, I, I do think that, you know, Miami and Boston College probably had more to maybe fight for. And, you know, you did see UF when they got down big in South Carolina. I just, you know, I pack it in and say, like, we're done. I do think that playing on the road against South Carolina is a little different than playing on at home against Florida. Now, certainly if Florida State was to go up by four touchdowns, they, they may – pack it in but uh, you know unless florida state was to get up really really big it, it would it would kind of surprise me that you know if uf you know kind of like like nick just said packs it in you know i think in this game it, you know that that's not necessarily something i expect what i will say is like with uh with anthony potentially starting instead of emory jones reports have come out today that that he will likely be the starter in this game I think he, you know, the fans have clamored all day, all year for, you know, him to start and him to be the quarterback. And, you know, we'd be 10 and one if, if he had started, you know, we'd, we'd be right there. Um, you know, he probably has a higher ceiling, you know, career wise than, you know, Emory Jones. I don't think anybody would argue with that, but um, what, with him starting, what do you think that does for Florida's, you know, I'll say chances, like, does it, does it, make things a little bit tougher or is, is he just kind of, you know, NFL Jameis where you're going to have some great plays and then you're going to have some really boneheaded plays where, you know, hopefully Florida state doesn't kind of capitalize on it from the UF perspective. Yeah. I think I, I, Florida would not be 10 and one if, if Anthony Richardson had been starting all year. Um, I, I think, I think he has a higher ceiling. I think his floor is lower right now. Um, you look at the LSU game, he, he threw an interception um, on the third drive when he came in then he comes in and, and basically replacing uh, Emory Jones, and he leads four straight touchdown drives to get Florida to keep Florida in that game against LSU. Um, and then throws an interception on their last offensive drive, and it's a, a guy's coming, a defensive lineman's you know about to hit him in his chest. He's falling backwards and, and you know throwing like really you're like Thanksgiving back in the uh, back when you were a kid playing five hundred in the backyard. He just like throws a ball up and hoping somebody catches it. It gets intercepted and the game's over. That's a freshman mistake that you're going to make. I think what I was writing and, and saying Florida should do is let him make those mistakes now. This season, you know, you, your your goals were pretty much over even before you lost to Georgia and Jacksonville. So let him make those mistakes now and, and build for next year. Um, starting against that Georgia defense, I would say that Georgia defense is probably as good as any of the Alabama defenses that I've seen in the past. Um those, there's a lot of guys that are going to be playing on Sunday on that defense. So that was a tough place for him to make his first career start. Um, and then I don't know, you see some immaturity off the field. Like I don't know how you hurt your knee on a Friday night before the South Carolina game. Um, it makes a lot of sense when you, when you think about the, the season in its entirety. Of course, the backup quarterback, who everyone calls a generational talent, hurts his knee doing a TikTok dance the Friday night before a game. Why not? That's how the season has gone. Um, I think the difference with him is that he's – I don't know if he's as good at of a passer yet as Emery. Um, both have really strong arms. I think the decision-making, Anthony's a little quicker to tuck it and run. I think you'll see more 
quarterback runs with Anthony, um, depending on how how he's feeling and, and you know the, the game plan with there. Um, do you think that there's a chance that I don't know that against South Carolina we saw a lack of effort? I know we talked about the one against Samford, but uh, do you think that there's a chance that them moving on from Mullen kind of galvanizes the team and we see more effort this week. I know you said that they may kind of play for the seniors, but do you think that there's a realistic chance that they'll, as Richie, just who knows where he went on He's his done. iPhone three. Um, do you think that there's a chance that <laughs> Dan, the Dan Mullen play- called him? He's going to coach with him <laughs> in Jacksonville with him. Yeah. Um, do you think there's a chance the guys really come out and play a lot harder? Or do you kind of just expect the same thing that we've I, seen? All I, don't, I don't think all it's year? like any, I don't think it's like a win one for the Gipper kind of thing. I think, you know, um, kind of like what Richie said, like it, or what you said is it's Florida state. Like you're going, you're coming out to play yeah. for the, in this rivalry, you're playing for your seniors. I don't think they're playing for Dan. I think they're probably rallying around themselves. Um, Cause there's been a lot. I mean, I, I would have advised, you know, uh, most Florida players like, Hey, just stay off social media. Like it's been, it's been a lot. There's times where me, I'm not calling plays. I'm not recruiting anybody. I'm not, turning the ball over where I've had to put my phone down. Like I can't even look at Twitter. It's been, it's been a really long year uh, for anyone involved with Florida football. So I think you might get like a bunker mentality from the guys where they're just trying to rally around each other and play. Um, but I don't think it's a, you know, like I said, the, a win one for the Gipper kind of deal. Yeah. FSU's off our FSU's defensive line is without a doubt, the best unit um, on the team, maybe the best unit of of any <laughs> of any single unit in the state um they have been absolutely fantastic uh, i saw a stat that they let like the top two guys in quarterback pressures this week were both of fsu's in the nation were both of fsu's defensive linemen uh i think that's a place that fsu can really capitalize on and if they have success in this game it's probably because they did a really good job they did a great job against bc they did a great mm-hmm. job against miami talk to me about uf's o-line um, how healthy or how well that unit is playing, and is there concern around uh, FSU's defensive ends? Maybe that's an obvious question of yes. Yeah, um, Florida's, Florida's, Florida could not run the ball um, to the point where they just gave up running the ball. And then, listen, last year they had uh, some good pass pro and, and they were able to throw it. So this year has been the complete opposite. Uh, Florida's offensive line, it was probably been my surprise unit um, of the season. Um, cause I, maybe I just came in with, with such low expectations. Um, but, uh, they're not healthy. Uh, Ethan white, who was the starting, uh, left guard hasn't played, uh, I think since the Georgia game. Um, but Josh Braun, who's a, uh, a former five-star, I think, or four-star he has, has stepped in there. Uh, Richard Garage was hurt last week, uh, but able to come back into the game at Missouri. Um, so he's expected to play and start. So other than White, I think Florida is Florida's pretty healthy um, on the offensive line. I don't I, I don't see uh, Gene Delance, Florida's right tackle, having a good day um, against Florida State's defensive line. Um, and, and they've kind of yo-yoed him in and out as he struggled. You know, it's – he starts every single game and then plays terribly and they bring somebody else in and then they kind of like shift for the rest of the time. And I, that's another reason why Florida fans have been so angry is that it seems like, well, he's a redshirt senior and that's the only reason he's playing. He wasn't good in 2020. He's not good in 2021. Why is he still out there? Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely the deficiency at right tackle on Florida's offensive line, which like I said, 
I think they've played better than anyone has expected uh, for most for the most part this year. Um, Florida. Florida defensively obviously struggled pretty tough against uh, tough in that struggled very much in that first half against Samford. Sorry if I can use my words right. Played better against Missouri, held them to what sixteen points in regulation, forced Dude. a lot of field goals in that first half, and then you only really had the one Missouri touchdown before overtime. Um, Florida State, Florida State's identity in the first half of this year was definitely a very run heavy team with Jordan Travis running a lot. Um, Jay Sean Corbin and uh, some of the, the the stable that Florida State has kind of hitting a lot. But over the last couple of weeks, they've thrown the ball a ton. I mean, had 34 mm. passing attempts uh, against Boston College, uh, against Miami. I think it was like 25 or 26, but Travis threw for 275 yards. Um, where is – what what concerns you the most about Florida's Florida State's offense going up against UF's defense? Florida, um, Flor- losing Ventro Miller, and I, I don't think Ventro Miller would have been an All American or an All SEC linebacker this year. Um, but he's a redshirt senior, um, was kind of the heart and soul of Florida's defense, and, and he tears his bicep um, early on, and has missed most of the year. Florida's had trouble fitting, um, fitting against the run. They've had trouble tackling and like Ventrell Miller is a guy you probably would have penciled in for 115 tackles this year. Um, not great against the pass, but would have helped you against the run. So Florida's issues this year have been keeping contained. So if you're talking about Jordan Travis being able to run, that's been an issue. If you're talking about um, making tackles in open space, that's, a, that's another issue Florida's had. And then there's been some coverage issues outside of Kyrie Elam. Um, Alabama is really the only team that tested Kyrie Elam. Um, and I think he allowed one reception. He did have a, he's had some pass interference penalties this year. Um, but yeah, Florida's biggest issues this year on defense have been tackling and not fitting runs. They also, they'll play really well and then they'll have a mental error that results in like a 57 yard play. And then they'll give up a touchdown because, uh, you know, now they're in the red zone. So they seem to make little mistakes that cause, that turn into critical errors and, and they'll play well. You'll see they'll play well and, and have four straight three and outs. And then somebody misses, a, misses an assignment. And then there's a 70 yard pass. And all of a sudden it's first and first and goal of the two. And you're just like, well, that's, that's the Florida defense. There's you're waiting for some kind of catastrophe. Yeah. And it seems like, and I'll let Richie go here and then we'll get into some of our prize picks and let you out of here. But it definitely seems like Florida, I think the stat was what they're two and nine of their last 11 power five games. Those two wins coming against Vandy and Tennessee. And what it seems like outside of the games that were blowouts. It seems like, like it's been just, fun to watch. Is that what it seems like <laughs> for us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like Florida just finds a different way to lose every game. Like no offense against Kentucky, no defense the next week against LSU, neither against South Carolina, you know, no defense against Sanford. Obviously that ended up being a win anyway, but then offense struggles against Missouri. You have I, I kept asking, mistakes. And I, it's just I kept like, asking Dan Mullen about that. I'm like, hey, if, if I go golfing and I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna slice, I would like to have one miss. Um, I I don't want to stand over a golf ball and think, well, I could dribble this eight yards in front of me. I could hook it. I might I might duff it and not and you know and, and not hit it at all. I might slice it. I'd rather just have one miss. So I kept asking Dan. I'm like, hey, you guys do something spectacularly wrong every game 
but it's never the same thing. Would it be easier to fix if it was just one thing? He's like, oh, well, you know, it's just inconsistency. And I think that's what – I think what happened with Dan Mullen at Florida, he didn't get fired because he wasn't losing games. The, the discipline, the accountability, and the attention to detail had kind of teetered off every year since he got there. It was great when he started, and then, you know, something happened during the COVID year. It was probably harder – to keep control of everyone and, and, and a lot of things going on. And then this year, you know, there was just really no attention to detail and no accountability. And I think that's why Florida has eight false starts against Kentucky among 15 penalties. And then that's why, you know, the next game it's, it's turnovers that, that are doing it. Um, yeah. So there's really, yeah, Florida's right now has, has got the yips on the T and uh, I don't know which one will come, but one something, one of those things, that has shown its head each week will happen Saturday because that's how this season has gone. I can't tell you which one, and I don't yeah. know if they can either. And it seemed that Dan Mullen just doesn't like coaching college. He doesn't like the work that you have to put in, mainly with recruiting. But going to the other side of the ball, Anthony Richardson, obviously one of the most intriguing quarterbacks in the entire country, if you ask me, as a, as a freshman here. Uh, but, you know, it had some real highlight plays against FAU USF earlier this year. Uh, gets the start against Georgia, which I thought was a disservice to him. Like, why yeah. would you make his first start against them? But uh, Andrew, one of our listeners here, was asking, you know, what does starting Richardson mean for Florida's offensive game plan um, compared to Florida State? Because obviously Florida State's pretty good up front and front forward. Linebackers have improved, but Richardson is still an elite athlete, and he does mm. change the way that offense would operate. Obviously, Dan Mullen's not there, so it's really tough. Part of the reason I have no idea what's going to happen this weekend, but what's going to happen with Florida's offensive game plan? It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really not familiar with Garrick McGee, who's the first-year uh, quarterback's coach for Florida since Brian Johnson left. I'm not familiar with him. He has play-calling experience, but I'm not very you know intimately familiar with um, how he'll call a game or, or, or formulate a game plan, create a game plan. Um, I think you'll see Anthony's just more, more quick. So Dan Mullen told these guys they last year, Kyle Trask would go through four reads, then come back to his first Dan Mullen and, and, and Garrett McGee did not want Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson to do that. It's like, Hey, you've got two reads on this play. And, and even if, even if after your first read, you see a lane to run, Take it, go, because both of these guys can run. And I think Anthony's a little quicker to pull it in and run. Um, so it might look like they're calling more designed runs, um, you know, maybe like a quarterback draw, but it's really just Anthony's kind of got a, a quick hairpin trigger to take it off and, and use his legs. It'll be interesting to see. Um, we'll get to some score predictions here in a little bit. I think really what the game kind of comes down to, and I talked with Allie about this a little bit earlier today, but uh, – I really think that if Florida State can get pressure with four, which they've done the last two mm -hmm. weeks, and and make life hell for for Anthony and force him into some of those young freshman mistakes, I do think he's going to make some plays, whether it be with his legs or his big arm. Uh, but if they can get pressure with four and really force Florida into the mistakes, and, and I think Florida State's done a really good job the last two weeks of not turning the ball over. Um, I think we had one turnover against Boston College – one turnover against Miami, um, one turnover against NC State, I think only one against Clemson. So, like, as long as you're not putting up two or three turnovers and you're forcing your opponent into that, right, whether it's, you know, Anthony's kind of gotten in and had a few turnovers the, the few games he's had. We actually had two against Clemson. I'll take that back. Um, 
But uh, no, that last one doesn't count. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, Florida State doesn't. Florida State doesn't need to force turnovers. Florida just will willingly hand them out. They, they, they <laughs> will so just, hopefully, it's so, like Daniel Jones throwing it to the, our Bucks defense lineman on Monday yeah, night. Yeah, that is like that's what he gets for that game a few years ago that where he beat. Oh my god! It's a but, holiday weekend. We're in the giving spirit. Uh, Florida will, will turn the ball over. We'll, we'll so likely turn it, the ball over Saturday. I can tell you our listeners hope you're right, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- I think that Florida's a negative eight turnover margin on the year. Um, they don't really create turnovers that well. Um, and, and Emory, I think Emory Jones had had for, and I don't know if he has any more, but led the nation in interceptions for, for a quarterback for a while. And, and obviously Anthony's up there, I think with, with interceptions, I have it pulled up somewhere. Um, he's got, Anthony, five, he's got five, five touchdowns, yeah. five interceptions yeah. and Emory Jones, wow. 10 interceptions was leading the country for a while. I don't know if it still is, but Trent um, Whittemore, Trent Whittemore. How about Dan Mullen? His last play call at, at Florida is a <laughs> oh, wide play, receiver yeah. pass to the quarterback. What a way to go yeah. out, Dan. I like that. I, mean, I, I should have like put some that. interception on these prize picks because now I'm like, you have you <laughs> No, we're going to add it to the end. You have 1.5 uh, turnovers at the end. So that, that'll be our, our specialty like, number six. Yeah. I like that one. I, I mean, I'm going over, but we'll get to it in a minute. So, uh, yeah. But I think if, if Florida State can get pressure, I, I, I think this game will be close and we'll go predictions in a minute, but I think it's going to go out of the fourth quarter, but I think if they can get pressure with four and get a couple of turnovers, they'll, they'll win the game. So we will jump into, and then get Nick out of here. Our prize picks segment, our over unders. You can download the prize picks app today. Use code no slot N O S L A W for a hundred percent match up to uh, your first hundred dollars. So, uh, deposit 50, you get a 50% match. If you deposit 75, 75, 100, 100, 150, still 100. So you can take over-unders on not only the Florida Florida State game, but all of the rivalry week games this weekend. You can match those up with stuff on the NFL. It'll be Sunday. Um, hit it for Thanksgiving football tomorrow. We talked about the Egg Bowl, which I'm way more excited about than the uh, Bills versus – they should have flexed the Saints out. Once Jameis got hurt, there's no way that we should have Bills versus Saints with a tight end playing quarterback – um did you see Saints, um, did you brutal. see dan campbell i i like dan campbell i hope he figures it out in detroit a yeah. reporter told him um coach this will probably be the last time uh you guys get a chance to play in front of a national audience this year he goes wait you don't think they're gonna flex us on a sunday i'm like oh, <laughs> man. I come I like on. His, a little self-deprecating I like humor i like it i saw a tweet yesterday that, or i saw a tweet today that said i can't wait for tomorrow around this time when we'll all be complaining about how much we hate this Bears Lions matchups, but still actively choosing to watch it instead of hanging out with our families. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're all going to watch. So right? bad <laughs> football is still better than, yeah, it's the only thing on, man. You think I'm going to talk yeah. to my grandma? Like, I, I keep telling off. Florida fans that. And they're, they're like, Florida fans, obviously, the way the season, especially how it's ending, is like, I can't wait for the season to be over. I'm like, cool. Talk to me in June when yeah. you're dying when for you any scrap of football news. Yeah. You get when 12 you're like, games a year. That's it. You, you got it. And last year, Florida State only got nine. They weren't great, but I still watched that last game against Duke when we won, and I felt pretty good about it despite being, you know, two and six heading into that one. And that's why I didn't like the whole celebration gate after Sanford. I had no problem with Florida celebrating it. You only get 12 mm-hmm opportunities to celebrate with your with your with your teammates you hadn't won in over a month at that point don't put it on social media like read the room a little bit your fans are not gonna be happy and then when dan comes in and says you know winning football games is hard you're like well that one's not supposed to be hard 
That one isn't. Yes, I agree. It is hard. That one's not supposed to be. And don't tell your angry fan base that beating Sanford is hard. But I had no problem with the celebration. Um, I just wouldn't have put it on my Instagram story. Yeah. Yeah. Richie, I don't know if uh, celebration stuff is uh, what you've got in these prize picks, but these are Richie specials here. Um, Nick, we just do over-unders. There's no accountability because Richie doesn't tell us – the next week how we did <laughs> and you, you won't be here anyway so uh actually this is the last preview show so it doesn't matter well I guess unless we somehow done. end up in a bowl Somebody's game getting, together yeah. you never know right what's i was wondering so florida has a really high apr like but i don't know if they would accept a bowl game if they lose saturday without a coach they probably would not yeah well I you would have like, you would have you're already paying these coaches through yeah. through the end of the year that's true so you could leave your your lame duck staff and say hey go coach this team and then get to work whoever you hire you have a whole new staff hey build your staff and you guys go recruit watch the 19 practices get a live look at the team i think that's that might that's be something what we did. that's intriguing that's what yeah. we did jimbo's year i mean we qualified for a bowl at six and six but that's what we did jimbo's year i mean mm-hmm. those the you know odell well, coached the team the practice yeah. and yeah willie went out and recruited um you know or you know used card salesman and the kids but well you know you call that recruiting if, if you want but uh anyway yeah i'd be tomato tomato I do think I do think that it's much more important. I think this game is more important for Florida State. I think this game is very irrelevant for for Florida. Not that the kids will feel that way, but I do think the extra. I don't know how much the extra practices help with a whole new staff coming in next year. Anyway, how much does it matter that you know? But I do think for Florida State, it would be big to get those extra because the staff is gonna. There's continuity there. There feels like they're building something. I don't know. Maybe I'm full of crap. Richie, over unders. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll jump right into prize picks this week. Again, these numbers are from the Barnes Sportsbook because prize picks, they typically get, you know, all of the college games up by Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, But we'll start with Jordan Travis. I have him at 203 and a half passing yards. I think I'm going to go over here just because uh, I think he has a lot of confidence as a passer right now that he didn't have. And, you know, a month ago, I would have set this line at probably like 127 and a half, but. 203 and a half, Nick. What do you think? What a specific number. 203.5 passing. Um, I'll go, I'll go under on that. I think Florida, um, they've kind of finally figured out their guy in the nickel with with Jadarius Perkins. Um, I, I think Kyrie Elam will be this is a game that he that he's been waiting for. Um, and then across from him, Avery Helms kind of been getting beat up a little bit this year. Um, but Jason Marshall has gotten as as a freshman better each week. So I think Florida. Um, we'll have more success against the pass than they will against stopping the run. So I'll go under for 203.5. Uh, I like over here. He went 250 against Miami. He went to, I'm sorry, 275 against Miami, 250 um, against BC. I think that Florida State, we threw the ball 34 times last week. Uh, I think that we have really found something with the passing game. I also think that the running game is taking a little bit of a step back with some of the injuries to the interior of all the offensive line. And so I think that's forced Florida State to get a little bit more creative with their passing game and lean on that a little bit more. Um, so give me the over of that. I don't know that he goes for 250, but Florida's I think he's only given up pass 200 ball. passing yards in, in three games this year. 200 or. You're saying like they don't give up 200. They've only, yeah, who have they done they, that against? Um, let's see. Uh, Sanford. I'm guessing Bryce Young. Sanford threw for 416. Bama, right? uh, Bama threw Sanford. for 240. Oh, yeah. sorry. Four games. Four games. So FAU, a lot of that was garbage time. It's um, Alabama. Right there, yeah. FAU, Alabama, uh, Tennessee, and the mighty, mighty Bulldogs of 
of Sanford. Tra- traditional Man, blue bud power of Sanford. LSU, they have one guy go for 300 yards, 287. Rushing, right? Or, uh, yeah. That's crazy. Davis. All right, Let's go to the next one. Over. Uh, I don't care what Nick says. Yes. Yeah, speaking, <laughs> speaking get your, of, get your stats out of here. Are you crazy? That's for losers. <laughs> yeah. speaking, speaking of rushing yards, uh, we'll go reverse TJ. Anthony Richardson, uh, I have it at 42 and a half, it, thinking within mind that, you know, obviously sacks count against the rushing total. Man, that's a good line, I think. Um, 42 and a half. I think that he – okay, Nick, let me ask you this before I make my – call like do you think he's i mean he's healthy enough to play but do you think he's 100 because he wasn't 100 yeah, last week no he was 100 percent right? last week they just didn't get a, in i i think i think he i think there's some element of punishing him so he was he was concussed he got a concussion against georgia but was cleared wednesday they fly to south carolina and they're planning on using him more than they have because you gotcha. basically handed mm-hmm. him the starting job in baton rouge um he gets hurt against georgia in the next week and then you get hurt dancing on Friday night and have to spend, that was a night game in Columbia. You have to spend yeah. all day Saturday getting treatment. And then you can only be used as, you know, um, you can only be used as an emergency option. You lose that game. I think he was being punished by not playing other than handing the ball off against Sanford and then not playing against Missouri. Um, but I've been told he, he was healthy. He could have played in more in all three of those games. Gotcha. I'll go, I'll go over here. I think he's also, you know, I do think our defensive line does pretty well. I, I, was looking today. I saw Georgia got two sacks. I actually like us to get more sacks, but I also think that he's big and strong, kind of like Jerkovic last week, and can kind of get out, turn a couple of seven yard sacks into like one yard sacks, right? Like yeah. you know, like a loss of one. So I, I can I see him I, taking off one time and going over on this. I didn't even know it was happening there. TJ had no idea what he was going to do, and then just squeezed information out of me to make a more educated <laughs> pick. Yeah, I, I feel I feel dirty. <laughs> I feel dirty right now. I appreciate it. Over. All right, Nick, uh, what do you think? I'm I'm gonna go over as well, especially if, so like I said, Aunt, um, Emory is gonna practice today, so we'll see. Um, I I would still expect Anthony to start. Um, and if he does start, he'll go over. You know, if if Greg Knox is going to go with the same route that Mullen went and not play him at all, then it'll be under, but I'll go, I'll go over. Cause I think Emery will be um, a little hobbled on his ankle. Yeah. I think he's, you know, uh, he's the guy who can go 80 yards in one play. Right. Yeah. And, and that's what scares me. Um, being a contrarian right here, I'll, I'll take the under just because I'd love our defensive line. I think, yeah, uh, I would, I would not have said this coming into the season. I'd take Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas over almost any defensive end duo in the country. They had 20 total pressures last week and not a single holding call in that game. ACC, come on, what's going on here? Um, but that's fine. Um, I, I'll take the under just, just to, again, be the contrarian. But I, again, I know I'm banking on us not giving up that one huge rush. Uh, next one, Jay Sean Corbin, 63 and a half rush yards. He, he had a huge start to the season. He's fallen off a little bit. I set that line, honestly, thinking it's going to be close. I'll go slightly under, though. Uh, I, I think Trayshawn Ward will get involved and Lawrence Sofilly's back healthy. So I'll, I'll go under 63 and a half. Jay Sean Corbin, uh, Nick, what do you think? Um, I'll go over. I just, I just don't have confidence in Florida's uh, ability to tackle in space. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Brent Cox looked really good against Missouri. Uh, it's the first time the the five star transfer from Georgia's looked looked good. Um, set the edge. 
Um, but still, they were able to hold um, – I forget I forget his name uh, – Tyler Beatty uh, to like 16 yards in the first half, and then he runs for 120 in, in the second half. Um, gashed by South Carolina, gashed by LSU, gashed by Tennessee. Uh, it, it's just it, – it, it's hard to pick Florida because you don't know which Florida team is going to show up any given quarter, let alone every any given Saturday. Um, but I'm going to go over. Uh, give me the over as well. I'll keep taking the over for him, and he keeps going slightly under, but I think he hits it this week. All right. And then we'll go to uh, Jacob Copeland, uh, a guy a lot of Florida State fans, including myself, thought that would be playing in Garnet Gold during his college career. Uh, four and a half receptions. I have no idea, so I'm just going to cheat and go to Nick and make my decision off what he says. <laughs> um. Normally, I would say under. They, they, it, for large parts of the season, it looks like Florida was actively ignoring Jacob Copeland. Um, last week, they were just forcing him the ball. But when Anthony Richardson plays, there's definitely a comfort level there. Um, and Anthony targets Jacob Copeland more than Emory does when he's playing. I'll go over four four enough targets or receptions because he receptions, can drop the ball now too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's tricky. Uh, yeah. That's that's a great line because that's close. Pan, I'll go Panhandle un- boy against uh, Florida State. I love it. Yeah, it'll be a big game for him. I I, I don't even know where his head is at because he's been frustrated all year with his usage. Yeah. Um, I'll go under, but under at four, like right right there. That's a, <laughs> the line was set well. Yeah, that, that's the Barnes Sportsbook. Uh, I, I'll take the under two just because Nick knows the Gators a lot better than I do. TJ, <laughs> I'll go over. Just to try and get this one to pick up a point, you know, All right. to pick, pick up, up an like imaginary point. Yeah, to pick up the whose line is it anyway point. Um, <laughs> last, last one. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, one and a half tackles for loss slash sacks. I'm over. I'm gonna go over over I, me. Uh, uh, over. I'm going to. All right, on. Nick. Over. I'm, I'm going to pick up my my whose line is it anyway point. I'll go under. <laughs> <laughs> and then we joked, but I do want to hear one and a half turnovers for Florida. Um. Yeah, I think over. we get one. I don't know if we get two. Uh, TJ and Nick, what do you think? It doesn't have anything to do with it doesn't have anything to do with how good Florida State is at getting the ball. Yeah. Florida <laughs> will force it to you. They they will say, I don't care if you don't want this. Here's the ball. That's no, yours now. Bring the offense right. on. With I got that, one for Nick. Over under the longest punt of the game being 11 yards. How dare you? <laughs> how, how dare you I, I, released this, I released a statement last week i said we were aware of what happened it's being handled internally and us as a, as a punting no, loving community we do not we have no other further comment no nick on our miami preview i again we since we did it a little early we didn't have the actual prospects lines i made a line of over under one and a half punts that florida state just will not field because we don't field punts and they went over easily in that one so Wait, they just don't field punts? They just let it drop it. Yeah, they've done a good job. They don't bother catching it. (laughs) You know, just you don't read it well, so they just let it drop, and then we lose like 20 yards in hidden position. People got mad at Jim McElwain because he wouldn't put Antonio Callaway back there, and then Antonio Callaway called a fair catch at the one-yard line on a punt. And they were like, hey, man, maybe that's that's why he's not (laughs) fielding punts. Twitter, you know, social media knows better than the – yeah, so like Florida puts Kyir Elam back on on punts just to because they know that he's going to fair catch it, catch it cleanly, and then they can get the offense on. There's not going to be you know a disaster back there. But Florida has not been good on special teams um, outside of the punter uh, pretty much all year. 
Nick, um, we're going to get to some score predictions and get out of here. Uh, Richie, start us off, then I'll go. Then, Nick, you can finish us off and we'll get out of here. But, uh, Richie, what you got? Yeah, so Ed, our uh, main publisher for DoubleFriesNoSlaw.com, for all of our, you know, constantly put, I put gambling picks up there. I'm, I'm at 51% for the season, I think. So we're just barely over, not profitable, but we will maybe after this week. Um, shout out to him. But I sent him a score yeah. prediction earlier this week. I've changed it since then. So he's going to have to edit that out. Uh, I just don't know how Florida's going to respond. And if Florida State comes, comes out strong, uh, takes a, you know, even a 10 0 lead, you know, Dan Mullen's gone, Todd Grantham's gone, you know, uh, Hensey, the offensive line coach, he, they're like, I don't know what these players have to play for other than it's Florida versus Florida State. So I do think they're going to match Florida State's intensity from the opening kickoff. I just think Florida State's been starting so strong these past few weeks. Um, I, I'm going to take us. 34 to 23. Uh, don't feel great about it. Again, it's a rivalry. Uh, so easily covering the spread, but yeah, 34, 23 Florida state. Um, originally I had this at like three points and then I got really cocky when I was talking with Allie earlier today. <laughs> and, um, I think there's a path. She said, I, you know, if it ends up being a blowout, I don't think that it would be Florida winning the blowout. I think it would be Florida state getting up and Florida kind of quitting. And so I'm going to predict this with 10% confidence. I think Florida <laughs> state wins one or the other, but my score is 42 to 20 FSU. I don't see a blowout either side. I don't see a blowout. I'm just going to see a blowout either side. Well, You'll see it Saturday. So a wild prediction. Hey, Listen, but but, I'm gonna, but that's gonna help our engagement when we post that Twitter graphic. Shout out yeah. Brian Hathaway. <laughs> um, I think Florida State probably edges it out in a close one in all seriousness. No, 42 20. Let's um, go. No, no, I'm not giving another score. Like that is the yeah. score I'm going with. But I think Florida, Florida State, State has scored it out in a close one. Florida State once. has scored 40 points once this year. You best. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I like us to get it done. I like us to get it done. Prediction. <laughs> Man, now, now I'm nervous for the group chat with uh, the whole roll-up crew with uh, us two and Nick and everyone on Twitter that we got going on. Yeah, 42-20. All right, Nick, Nick, give us your you score. Um, <laughs> I, can you hear that? Oh, man, I just had like a uh, – they were testing my speakers on StreamYard. Still doing it. Um, I'll go with uh, 38-31 Florida. Um, I, I don't think that Florida is going to miss having Dan Mullen. Um, I don't think – I can't tell you who the offensive line coach is. He's a graduate assistant. Um, there's another guy on offense who I don't know who it is, um, but I don't think it's a huge deal for yeah. for Florida, the players. I think it's, it's more about the rivalry and, and senior day. Um, and, uh, I think, I still think Florida has more talent on the roster, whether or not that talent shows up, I think just, um, based on the, 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 the recruiting that Willie did or did not do, you called him a used car salesman. I thought that was funny. Um, but I think Florida wins this game. Um, and especially if, if Anthony Richardson is playing, I think he, he could have a big game. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Nick, where can people find your work? Where do you, can they follow you? Um, give yourself a little plug and then let's get out of here. Yeah, it's at Delatory um, on Twitter. You can find us on the Roll Up Network at Stadium and Gale, um, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out there. And uh, everything I write is on Rivals, Florida. Florida.rivals.com. Yeah. <laughs> 
Nick, De La Torre, thank you so much for hanging out. Have a great Thanksgiving and a great birthday. We'll see you on Saturday, man. See you. Oh, yeah, you'll be there. See you Coming Saturday. Up. Yes, sir. We'll get, we'll get you uh, – we'll get some relish after the game. I'm here <laughs> for that. I'm here for that. Win or lose, good food's always a winner. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Thanks one, for hanging out. See you, buddy. Love it. Nick De La Torre – Thank you for thanks. Thanks to him for hanging out. That was good. All right, we got to blow through a couple of things, Richie, and then yeah, get out of here. <laughs> um, it's been a while, but without further ado, you ready for this? I don't have any water, and I finished all my wine, but I'm gonna do oh, my best. Oh my goodness! Here. Just just do it. You're fine. <laughs> um, this is the best part of the entire show, the entire podcast. If you'd like to sponsor this, we are very welcome and open to new sponsors for this segment. But without further ado. Richie Barnes's Basketball Minute. After a slightly sloppy start to the 2021 campaign, the Fighting Hams took their show on the road to Duval, and the 904 was awfully kind to the tribe. It all started Sunday evening when the Knolls would take on the Lions of Loyola Marymount, and my oh my did the tribe force them to swallow their pride. While LMU got off to a hot start, their 14-13 lead midway through the first half would be their final lead of the game as Florida State's junkyard dog defense showed up in full force. To my knowledge, there's no bakery in the UNF arena, but there were more than enough Lion turnovers to go around 24 in total for the night. It was clear at the half that this one was over when Leola managed just two touchdowns and a field goal in the first half. Ten different Knolls saw the ball go through the hoop at some point, but it was Matthew Cleveland Cavalier who led the way off the bench, dropping a Baker's dozen as the Knolls coast to a 73 to 45 point win. From there, Ham and Co. advanced to the championship bout against a scrappy Mizzou team. Little did they know, when facing Leonard Alexander Hamilton, they would simply be outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, and outplanned. While the Garnet and Gold enjoyed, while Garnet and Gold Nation enjoyed Mizzou presenting Dan Jackass Mullen with his pink slip, we surely were not very thankful, and it showed on the hardwood that the Knolls tossed the turkey away and instead enjoyed 40 minutes of deep fried tigers. The Knolls took a 27-10 lead midway through the first half when newcomer Caleb General Mills stole the ball off the inbound and found Cameron Hema Fletcher for a tomahawk slam. It was another total team effort with Ordinal scoring a double digits with the amazing Anthony Polite leading the way with 14. And late things got, you already know, classless. When the Caucasian Harrison Pietro connected from deep, putting a bow on this one, the Knolls are back in action hosting Boston University tonight before taking on Purdue in a heavyweight bout in the ACC Big Ten Challenge next week. Woo! Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Um, always fun, always good. I thought that was good. I like the Hamilton. Um, so Florida State plays tonight in hoops. Uh, soccer has a big matchup this weekend on Friday for the Elite Eight. So a lot of fun yes, there. Let's go, um, Coach K. We'll do a uh, more full around the horn on Sunday. Um, when we recap, hopefully, an FSU football victory, a bowl clinching win against our rivals. From the southeast, uh, the southeast of Tallahassee to the southeast. Um, 
Richie, thanks for hanging out tonight. Hopefully you have a great Thanksgiving. I know you got to get dinner. You got to get to tonight. Hopefully you're not in too much trouble. We will be back on Sunday to uh, talk about the game. Hopefully another win for FSU. Um, follow us everywhere on social media at Double Fries Pod or Double Fries No Slaw. It's DoubleFriesNoSlaw.com. Again, shout out to the great folks at Salamone uh, Digital Marketing. If you need any SEO or optimization or any kind of help with your website or business, give those folks a shout at SalamoneDigitalMarketing.com or on social media, search Salamone Digital Marketing, S-A-L-A-M-O-N-E, Digital Marketing. Richie, have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for hanging out. And until next time, go Knowles. Yes, sir.